You are listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our aim is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Pastor Thomas Lawson, and we're doing something a little different today because sitting across from me is a guy whose uh, face does not match the logo that we have for the podcast. <laughs> I want to welcome into our uh, studio, into the Batcave today, um, Jimmy Huang. That's right. The associate pastor at Risen Hope Baptist Church. That's right. Now a fully autonomous church on the west side, uh, a daughter church, now a sister church of Faith Baptist Fellowship. Pastor Mike is out sick today, and so, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you. It's, it, I wish it was different circumstances. I wish you could be sitting like in a third mic section right here, and Pastor Mike could be sitting there. Yeah. But I'm really excited to have you here, Jimmy. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be a guest and to be the first uh, unbearded man person guest here. <laughs> I <know>. so, yeah. <laughs> we did have uh, Pastor Dana on here a couple weeks ago. Okay. We were talking about... What, what it means to pray the word and yeah yeah he's got the goatee thing going on yeah, so for sure. you are the first you are the first non-bearded person to be on this podcast what an honor and we welcome you <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so jimmy tell me uh just briefly a little bit about what you do at risen hope well first of all where you're from your family uh you know for for any of our listeners here at faith who who might not have had the opportunity to get to know you personally sure. um and then what you do at risen hope yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in Southeast Texas to uh, in a Vietnamese household. My family, my parents are Vietnamese immigrants who came over as refugees during the third wave uh, of after the communist takeover. So that was back in the 80s. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in a Vietnamese household with uh, traditional Vietnamese values. Uh, so and also I grew up in the Vietnamese Roman Catholic Church. Uh, oh, wow. So that has its own unique flavor uh, as well. So yeah, I grew up in the Catholic Church, but uh, because of the language barrier, I was also a first-generation American. Uh, English was my primary language, so there was a disconnect in my mm. faith uh, as well. So became a very nominal Roman Catholic to the point where I left the faith altogether in college. Uh, but it was in college where uh, the Lord really started to woo me and started to really capture my heart. Um, and after I graduated college, I wasn't ready to enter into the real world, so I decided to, uh, so to speak, join the circus uh, and move to Orlando, Florida to work for a mouse named Mickey. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I became an employee at uh, Walt Disney World. Uh, and if you know anything about Disney, kind of uh, people from all over the world vacation there and also work there as well. Uh, so therefore, there's a lot of Christian churches and uh, parachurch organizations that seek to uh, use Disney as a way to minister the gospel. And there, there was a coworker who shared the gospel with me, invited me to church, and uh, kind of the rest is history in regards to how uh, the Lord led me to faith and uh, where yeah. I am today. So yeah. And uh, your wife, yes. Allison? Yes, my wife, uh, her name is Allison. Yes, we've been married for seven years now, uh, and we met at church uh, through a pastor friend who ends up being matchmakers. Pastors really make good matchmakers. They do. Yeah, they, they do. Yep. Uh, very grateful for that man. <laughs> and uh, It's not part of the official elder qualifications in Scripture. But, it's unwritten. Right, it's unwritten. It's, it's sure. in the job job description. I haven't, yeah. led, I haven't <laughs> led a couple together yet, uh, but eventually I hope to. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we've been married for seven years. We have uh, two kids. Our daughter four, is about to be four years old. Her name is Marcy, and we just welcomed in 
our first baby boy, uh, and his name is Quinn. Oh man, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's been so awesome getting to meet your family and get to know you guys. How long has it been now since you've been here at, um, at in Sioux Falls? Yeah, uh, we arrived uh, August of 2022. So you came uh, before the official transition to an autonomous church took place. Right. When we were using that terminology of two churches, I'm uh, oh, sorry, one church in two locations. Right. Now we're two churches with a common mis- mission, a common vision. Um, and I just have to say, brother, I mean... You stepped in and it it was like you fit like a glove. I just I was so awesome getting to meet you and, and get to know you. We welcomed you here to Sioux Falls with the harshest winter known to man <laughs> that winter. Uh, all the way from Florida, we said we're gonna do this right and we're gonna give you three thousand inches of snow and minus twenty-five. And so oh, man, we, we that, did it right. <laughs> yeah, I you know, in many ways, uh yeah, I only ever grew up in places where it never snowed, like yeah. Texas. It's basically where I grew up was kind of the armpit of the world, and yeah. the swamps, uh, and then Florida, obviously, hot and humid and raining. Uh, yeah, I don't know the last time they experienced snow, but come here, and yeah, it was baptism by... <laughs> it was baptism. We're going to say snow. baptism by fire, but You're it right. was baptism by snow. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. It toughened me up. Yeah. yeah it was a part yeah. of the sanctification process, for sure. So one of your areas of uh, ministry, pastoral oversight there at Risen Hope is discipleship. That's right. So tell me about that a little bit, um, mainly kind of like what you do, but what we want to get into here today on the show, because I think the, the plan is in a follow-up episode, in this episode, we want to talk about kind of discipleship big picture, maybe talk about some of the specifics of what you do there at Risen Hope. But then uh, next week, Lord willing, if Pastor Mike's uh, feeling better, we're going to dive into discipleship here at Faith and what that looks like specifically. Mm -hmm. So we are so appreciative to get your insight, uh, to hear about how things are going there at Risen Hope and and how you guys go about discipleship. So a little bit about what you do, and then maybe let's, uh, you know, kind of define what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does the Bible mean by that? Yeah. uh, So what I do at Risen Hope uh, as a discipleship pastor, associate pastor of discipleship, is I oversee our discipleship ministry. Uh, And there's kind of like two big prongs, uh, so to speak, uh, regarding how we go about it. The first is education and instruction in those ministry spaces like Sunday school, um, for kids and all ages, uh, along with other areas of education as well. And the second one is the more relational spaces like mm-hmm. our life groups. Uh, here we call them uh, at faith, faith groups. Uh, yeah. So that's the more relational uh, where we meet in homes and do life life on life together, practice the love one another's. Uh, so yeah, those are the two areas that I really oversee on top of helping to develop this discipleship philosophy, developing it and implementing it yeah. for the rest of our church. So yeah, that's what I do there. So it, as you understand it from scripture, what is a disciple? Yeah, we so, use that word a lot, yeah. so we need to define it. You know, Absolutely. I'm glad you started there, uh, because it's easy to kind of just take that word for granted, but the word disciple simply just means follower or student. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us, can, let me kind of like zoom out real quick, but uh, disciple isn't just like a fancy Christian word alone, but we're all being discipled by something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all following something. You know, if you think about social media, there's we're in an influencer culture, yeah. uh, and what do we do? We follow them on Instagram yeah. and everything because we want to learn from them. We want to be like them in many ways. Uh, but when we talk about Christian, a Christian disciple, it is a follower of Jesus, want, someone who is wanting to become more like him. That's what a disciple simply is. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad you brought that out. We are all, everyone, every single one of us, Christian, non-Christian, yeah. we are being discipled and we are a disciple. 
mm-hmm. at the same time. We're following someone or something, right. some philosophy. And, and it's like, I've, I've used this expression before, all of us have a creed that we confess. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is not necessarily a formal creed like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, but when we, we have something that we believe and we confess that, even if you're not a Christian, you believe something. You have a creed by which you live. So I, I'm really glad you, you pointed that out. We're being discipled, all of us, by someone or something out there or a combination of those two. So then bringing that into you know, a Christian context, what then is discipleship? Yeah, anytime you uh, put in uh, the word ship along with something, it's basically a process of it. So uh, I'm not talking about the Titanic. Right, not the Titanic, everything. <laughs> we don't want to be a sinking ship. But discipleship is simply the process of helping someone grow into uh, becoming more like Jesus Christ, mm. either helping someone or being in the process of learning to become yeah. part of uh, you know, what it means to be a Christian as well. Growth and maturity, another fancy word you can think about, a uh, theological word is sanctification, the process mm-hmm. of growing in Christian maturity or growing in holiness. That's also synonymous for discipleship. It's the process of uh, becoming and loving Jesus more. That yeah. is, yeah, spot on. And so we we have this this definition of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, when we teach the uh, Faith Explored class here, our membership class here, and you guys have, what do you call it there at Risen Hope now? We now call it Risen Hope 101. Ooh. Yeah, and we built off the foundation of Faith yeah, Explored, yeah. and we're grateful for it, yes. Yeah, and so that's so awesome. We 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 both, both of our churches have this uh, members class that we want people to go through as a way to introduce them to what we're all about here right. at Faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we share that same common vision and values. We want to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, we use the expression, it's to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of put it in the hip 90s terms, a sold out, you know, follower <laughs> of Jesus. I don't know, you know. I we, missed out on the 90s yeah, culture. Yeah, you missed yeah. out on the 90s culture, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you might be the youngest person to be on this program. So, oh, really? Yeah. You're 26, 26, 26. I am 33. Okay. Yeah. You are. You're the youngest person to be on here. Yeah. Uh, but, but brother, I tell you, anyone who spends time around you, um, if there's any questions about, uh, you know, y- your youth and maturity, there, there's none of those. There. <laughs> so I just, I just uh, commend you on that. Um, you are, you are a man of the word. Um, so, We've defined what it means to be a disciple. We've talked about discipleship. Where then does this idea of discipleship come from in Scripture? What are some places that we can look? Yeah, oh, man. Uh, man, it, the Bible, it's kind of littered throughout all of Scripture. In many ways, we can start with God. He is the ultimate teacher, the ultimate mm. disciple maker. I mean, throughout Genesis all the way to Revelation, he's revealing himself, and he's teaching his people from Adam to Israel to the church and progressively teaching them uh, from infancy all the way into maturity mm. as well. So that's one way we can look at it. Uh, the second one is basically the life of Jesus. Uh, he was obedient to the Father and was led by the Spirit, and we follow his example. Um, another th- way, kind of in its infancy, is you can look at Genesis, where in the cultural mandate, the creation creation mm, mandate, yeah. where it, he says, uh, he commands Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, uh, basically like, make babies, mm-hmm. uh, and ref- teach them my ways and reflect 
my glory as image bearers of him. But more specifically, in um, as we think about like discipleship throughout the rest of Scripture, Deuteronomy 6, for example, mm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, your, the Lord your God is one. Uh, you shall love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. Uh, and you need to teach this to your kids uh, as well. So family ministry happens there, where parents are supposed to teach the kids the statutes and orders mm. and rules of what it means to love the Lord as well, and foster an environment within the home we also obviously get it in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. You know, yeah. that's the main Baptist uh, verse that we cling to for discipleship. And also um, language like imitation, as well, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those are the passages that I would really go to to really flesh out what discipleship is. I love how you immediately, I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on there. Uh, you know, we, we oftentimes go to the Great Commission, and for sure, uh, you know, make disciples. It's so clear right there. But you you just gave us a biblical theology sure. of discipleship. It it starts from the very beginning. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you you just walked us through some of the passages of scripture. I love that mm. because when we come to the New Testament, the concept of being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple, is not something that's new. It's not something that's novel. Uh, you know, you think about some of the Psalms, one generation shall declare your works to another. Yeah. You mentioned the what, what's called the Shamach in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, hero Israel, we love that. And you know, Paul calls Timothy, my true child in the faith. So many great examples of that. Um, and, and so it's, it's a biblical concept from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's just marvelous to see. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for bringing that out. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Titus two is another one that pops into mind regarding kind of intergenerational discipleship mm. of how the older men ought to be respectable uh, and be worthy of example of uh, being a disciple maker, and also older women ought yeah. to pour into younger women uh, as well. So yeah, th- that's another part uh, that I think is a pretty um, a passage that has really clung to me. That's so great. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, what we call the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, the end there. Um, What then does it mean when Jesus is telling his disciples to go and make disciples? How do we make a disciple? Yeah. You know, you've you've hinted on that some from Scripture. What does that look like practically? Yeah, um, maybe it might be helpful for me to kind of break down the Great Commission because uh, Jesus elaborates on what that means yeah. in that passage. And first he starts by saying, I'm in charge. All yep. authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so therefore, the first thing we need to understand about making disciples is helping someone come under the lordship of mm. Jesus Christ. I mean, he's in charge, right? He rose from the dead. He's the son of God. So, uh, so really, that's kind of the first primary thing we ought to think about in the in the Great Commission, and we make disciples. There's some other key elements in that as well. Make disciple of all nations, mm-hmm. right? So we are called not just to think myopically within my sphere, but also to think globally as well. While many of us may not be missionaries uh, cross-culturally or overseas or anything like that, but how does me making a disciple here spread the glory of God to the ends of the earth? Yeah. Can, well? I, can I interject yeah. there real quick too? Because yeah. I think it's, you know, all nations... Uh, a point that we clarify all the time is what it's talking about there is not necessarily geopolitical boundaries, mm-hmm. but all the ethne, is pantata ethne in the Greek, all the ethnicities. Yes. You know, and, and that is so critical because, 
you know, it ties, speaking of biblical theology, it, it takes us back to Genesis chapter 12, when God says to Abraham, in you, all the families, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. And we jump ahead to Revelation chapter seven, you saw people from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. We see this big picture that God's gospel is going forth to all the ethnicities, all the people groups mm-hmm. in the world. So yeah. it's seeing them brought under the the lordship of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So a mature disciple ought to think like that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And moving on to kind of the nuts and bolts of what it means to make disciples. And I think this is the heart of it. He says next, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded mm. uh, them. And so teaching is important aspect of disciple making, making disciples, right? Instructing them specifically in all the commandments, everything that Jesus has said. And he said a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he did. He said a few things. Yeah, a few things as well. (laughs) Uh, Sermon on the Mount being one amongst others, but also comprehensively all of Scripture. You think of 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is breathed out, and it's profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and equipping the saints for every good work. Mm. Um, So when we have to think about teaching all, that key word is all, like the whole counsel of God. It's a fancy word here that we're not just teaching one particular pet doctrine, but we're teaching everything as well. So therefore, being in the Word as well, helping people, instructing people in Scripture, and following the teaching aspect is baptizing them in the name of the Father, Mm. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's a step in obedience and being a faithful follower of Jesus, right, is identifying yourself with God, right, the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and also identifying yourself with God's people, because baptism is entrance into the covenant community. You hit hit upon that real quick, baptism. I want to chase that just a minute. Yeah. Um, Does one need to be a mature Christian before he or she is baptized? Uh, Depends on... uh, Well, no. (laughs) No. My, My maturity in the sense of like... Yeah, they need to understand the faith. They need to be a believer right. uh, as well. Um, however, maturity, that takes that may take a long time Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. And there's been debate about when we baptize uh, throughout church history. But, uh, you know, I, I for us at Risen Hope, we do baptize children. And yes, there is genuine faith there, and we make sure that there is genuine faith. But have they become qualified as an elder, per se? Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I mean, I think you bring out a good point here because I've I've met Christians before who truly uh, give give a very clear, credible profession of faith in Christ, and their hope is in Him alone. But they're like, but yeah, but I don't fully have never read the Bible all the way through before. I don't fully understand, you know, all these things like that. You know, I, I'm going to wait till this, that, or the other, and. I guess my encouragement to them would be pastorally, if you have genuinely received the gift of free, everlasting life in Christ Jesus, if you've had a heart change, if your hope is in Christ and in Christ alone, and you're seeking to grow in the faith, be baptized. Yes. Commit, you know, to to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and then so much of that growth comes after that. I would say the vast majority of the growth comes after that, because... As you're baptized and and you learn to follow Christ, you grow in the faith more and more. It's that lifelong sanctification process that you just talked about. Amen. I would 100% wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. And uh, just a quick plug here, we are having another baptism service here at Faith on February 25th. Uh, You can sign up through the app. You can go online. We have on our website. Uh, You can be baptized. We would love to talk with you more about that. Um. So if we're making disciples, you mentioned a, a lot of different things right there. Is there is there a one size fits all? Is there a canned approach? <laughs> you know, should everybody 
you know, learn exactly the same things at the exact same time. You know, what's your philosophy of that? Yeah, uh, the one size fits all. I mean, I don't, that's a very loaded phrase and can be very misinterpreted yes. as well. So that's why uh, I put it in here so I that know, we right? can clarify it. <laughs> so the way I think about it is like you and I, uh, we like Cajun food. Mm-hmm. Uh, here. So gumbo. Amen, brother. I'm going to give you a high five on oh, the show here. Up. Yes. Yeah. So uh, gumbo, like yeah. there are some essential ingredients that we need in making gumbo, the holy trinity of celery, onions, and uh, bell pepper. Bell pepper. That's yeah. right. Uh, you saute mm. that and you need a good roux. Mm. You need a good roux, right? Uh, if you don't have those things, is it really gumbo? You're speaking my heart language. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so those are essential yeah. ingredients in gumbo. However, there's diversity in different kinds of gumbo and how you, you know, cook it or what you either seafood gumbo, there's chicken and sausage gumbo and everything. Yeah. Discipleship kind of I think functions in the same way. It's in the sense of there's some essential things that you need. Great commission already talked about it, like teaching them to obey all I commanded them, right? Instruction is a really important thing, uh, leading them towards baptism, right? Those are essential ingredients. How that's delivered, how that's done, there's a lot of diversity and room for kind of um, flexibility in that, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, but the core elements need to be there uh, regarding following Jesus, like, you know, Christian formation, Christian pedagogy, right? Education, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, so that needs to be there in order for discipleship to be discipleship. In yeah. my opinion, yeah. You know, it was, this was many, many years ago. I was, uh, this was back when we were serving with missions. I went to a missions conference and I was representing our, our organization there at a table. And a guy came up and he had this organization. He's like, well, we go in and we disciple people. And he laid out this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be, you know, six weeks. They walk them through. And when they're done, he said, they are discipled. Mm-hmm. Past tense. It's done. Oh, done. Okay. <laughs> He's like, you've graduated. They, they will be discipled. And I was like, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I won't go into all the details of how that conversation went, but, you know, in his mind, that's what it meant to be discipled. It was, he had a program to cover all the essentials. And I'm sure so much of it was very good because mm-hmm. he was covering things that were very important, very critical to the Christian faith. No doubt uh, uh, an essential component of discipleship. Mm-hmm. But if it's a lifelong process, if it's a lifelong commitment to following Jesus, you know, discipleship doesn't really ever stop. Right. And we absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up in the sense of like, <laughs> yes, yeah, structure and programs are good. And they even, in a sense, as a church, it's necessary. But that you can't think too myopically mm. to just say, hey, you've done this, you've been discipled. Well, you are. You were in the discipleship process in that program, per se. Yeah, but you're, yeah. yeah, like you said, you're a lifelong disciple. But also, let me get back to some essential ingredients uh, so that, yes, in a sense, there's a one-size-fits-all, and no, um, because every disciple ought to be going to the primary discipleship space, which is Sunday, church worship service. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's universal across whether you're in Siberia or whether you're in Sioux Falls. You know, uh, attending a worship service where you are sitting under the preaching of God's word, fellowshipping, uh, singing congregationally, and also partaking in the ordinances and the Lord's Supper. Those are means of grace or means of discipleship. So in a sense, yeah, that's universally one size fits all. But in another sense, no, discipleship occurs around the dinner table. Uh, discipleship occurs meaning in one-on-one mentorship or over a cup of coffee or whenever someone is grieving, you know, mm. a brother just saying, hey, I love you. God loves you. Yeah. He, you know, uh, so it takes all different expressions and forms, uh, but the key ingredients are there. 
You know, yeah. you can teach someone that the word says, rejoice in the Lord always, or rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. You can teach them that. Mm-hmm. They can believe that. But as our lives span oftentimes decades, there comes a point in which a believer's faith or the, their their understanding of that is tried and tested. And that discipleship process continues when they get the the negative di- you know the horrible diagnosis and they realize that you know my life could be falling apart here as i know it and and then they they read the words of scripture rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances that that truth has to take hold in their lives and in their hearts and that's part of that discipleship process and what you mentioned there, the church is so critical in that. We're, we're indispensable. The gathering of the saints, the ordinary means of grace, it's what allows us to continue to persevere and, and hold fast to the Word of God, even in the darkest times like that. And Amen. so, uh, very critical. Thanks for bringing that out. So, if we're all disciples, if all of us who are Christians are disciples, and we're called to make disciples, it's been said before everyone needs a Paul, everyone needs a Timothy. Should all believers, to some degree, it's going to vary, be about the business of making disciples and at the same time being discipled? Yeah, if you put it that way, absolutely. Um, And I, I definitely know kind of that motto and that principle where it's coming from. And yes, in principle, Yes, I would 100% agree. It's, it's an overly simplistic statement. I, yeah. I, I give you that, definitely. For sure. I think where evangelicals have taken it in a very unhelpful direction is like you have to you know, find a mentor and he needs to look a certain way, and you need to take a young man out for coffee mm-hmm. and meet with them and everything. And that's absolutely one way of doing it, but that isn't the only way per se. Um, you know, for example, for me, uh, another another kind of model is, you know, Jesus had his 12. Uh, so he invested in 12. They were his interns, but he really focused on three. That's another kind of template or model. <laughs> yeah. And it's based on numbers and nothing wrong with that as well. If Jesus did it, I think that's a great example. They followed him to conferences <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. They got his coffee. You know? For sure. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and those are descriptive things. Uh, descriptive are things that are just kind of described in the narratives mm, of scripture, but yeah. they're not hard and fast prescriptive rules. Um, so they may function as wisdom, but, um, yeah, there's flexibility in how we flesh that out. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm a young pastor with a young family, so I am very taxed having a baby and also a three-year-old, uh, and trying to shepherd the church along with shepherding my family. So it's impossible for me to have 12 interns to follow me like, you know, my tail, <laughs> you know, so, uh, it can't look like that. Uh, but therefore, one of my mentors, who's kind of my Paul, yeah. right, he pours into me. He said, Jimmy, you need to look around you and find out who do you have the most influence already. Yeah. He was talking about my family. Yeah. <laughs> my wife yeah. and my kids. Good and word. It's like, yeah, like you pour into them uh, because since you already have the most authority or influence, uh, you see them every day, like you invest your time and life into them. And then afterwards, you know, you take on the second priorities, which is shepherding the church as well. And yeah, you pray for the Lord to provide people to come into your life so that you can help shape and mold, and also people who can come alongside you and be the big brother. Yeah. So yeah. That's a good word there. You know, the the reality of, of it is, is if we are plugged into the life of the church, 
and and we're making that a priority, being with God's people, not not only on the Lord's Day, critically on the Lord's Day, but right. but at other times. You know, discipleship is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You are going to be discipled by others, and you will ultimately, you know, find those opportunities of speaking into the lives of others that will look different in different scenarios. But, you know, you if you're in the life of the church, you see how people are living their lives. You have those conversations, those friendships form, and, and you learn and you grow from one another. And the, mm. that, those types of relationships should be happening. And yeah. there's other times where we take a more intentional approach to say, hey, I believe the Lord is leading you know, this relationship to grow stronger. So you do invite somebody out for coffee. Uh, and, and you do say, why don't we do a Bible study together or yeah. read this book together? Uh, so all of those things there. It, so, I mean, it kind of goes back to the previous question we just asked, is there a one-size-all uh, you know, one size fits all approach. There's those essential components that need to be there, but you know, in in terms of the form, it may look different Absolutely. from one person to another. Absolutely, yes, um, yeah. Context matters. Different countries matter. So the delivery system, like you said, yeah, yeah it may take different forms. I agree. So, what is your approach and your and your philosophy of discipleship at Risen Hope? Yeah, so uh, in many ways, they kind of hired me uh, to kind of fill in what's already being done and to help flesh it out as we move forward as well. So uh, there's some things I'm going to hold close to the chest uh, since okay. we're still new. However, uh, I can kind of give you uh, what we've uh, already expressed to our congregation and what we're trying to do. So when it comes to Risen Hope uh, and the way we do discipleship, we, I've been so grateful coming in that they've been very, and we've been very intentional about how we do discipleship and by asking the question, what do disciples need, mm. right? That is the core question that is at the forefront of my mind and should be for our church as well. What do disciples need? Not necessarily what they want, um, because I could want chocolate, but do I need it? Not necessarily. <laughs> I uh, want chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, chocolate's great uh, and everything, <laughs> but uh, do we need it to be a healthy person? Yeah. Not necessarily. Um, so yeah, we start with that, and then we start thinking through. Okay, what are the things that we can fill to meet that need? Uh, so for us, uh, we did uh, we come up we came up with what's called a scope and sequence, and this is kind of where I help to develop it. Uh, a scope and sequence that's just an educational term. Anyone who's a teacher or a principal and works in education <clears throat> understands this sort of fancy uh, phrase. Scope is just what are the areas and topics and subjects that a student needs to learn. So in public school, it's math, reading, those those core yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, the scope, so that we don't kind of go off into like, for example, a disciple needs to learn um, you know, how to underwater basket weave or something like that. Yeah. N- nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, but what are the essential ingredients, again, uh, for a recipe of making a mature disciple? And then sequencing is helping to flesh that out in an age-appropriate manner and based on where that discipleship disciple is at from a maturity standpoint. Are they an infant? Are they a toddler? How can we you know, instill these scopes, these subjects into them in an age-appropriate manner? Or if there's someone who's new to Christianity, but you know, they're, in their, they're adults, though, how can we catechize them, mm, right? Educate yeah, them, yeah. per se, within the, the Christian faith. Uh, so yeah, within Risen Hope, um, the two areas in which we kind of help people to do that is our education spaces, uh, Sunday school, and also in life groups as well, one-on-one, life-on-life, relational, doing the Christian life together. So those are the two spaces, along with ultimately our worship space on Sunday, our yeah. worship gathering. 
Uh, so three areas, but we're continuing to kind of develop those things out, uh, such as we just launched the all-church Bible study, because that's a key ingredient mm. in discipleship, is learning how to study the Word and learning what's in the Word, biblical literacy. Um, so within kind of our scope, uh, and every church has the freedom to kind of decide what are the things that we're going to focus on. Uh, for us, we decided it's Bible. Uh, every disciple needs to learn the Bible, how yeah, to study yeah. it. Uh, what's in it, um, and the biblical theology, right? Uh, the events of the Bible. So there's the Bible. Second is doctrine, uh, theology. So tenets of the faith that are just core, uh, but also distinctive as well to our Baptist mm. tradition. So looking at our statement of faith, do we know our statement of faith really well? Uh, do we know who our God is, that he's triune? Like the things in our creeds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Apostles' Creed, like the things that a Christian ought to know. Um, and also the things that are within their particular denominational distinctives as well, like, for example, baptism by immersion. Why do we believe that? Um, Third is the Christian life. Uh, How do we live out the Christian life? Uh, So one of the resources I would like to kind of instill in our people is our membership covenant Mm. and our five loves, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, prayer, fasting. That's one of our values is to love God's Word and prayer as well. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? You know, um, yeah, that's something we're still continuing to develop in our ministry spaces, um, so that's along the lines of what every Christian ought to universally know. Mm. That we hope that so the kind of the phrase is a disciple at Risen Hope ought to strive to learn these things: Bible, yes. doctrine, and the Christian life. Obviously, those are the three main buckets. But then uh, we get to the question of okay, how do we develop that and instill that in age-appropriate manners? Because mm. you know yeah. we we have to admit and acknowledge the fact that. Um, different ages have different life circumstances and developmental ways of going about things. So a two-year-old, for example, what do they need to know? What does a elementary kid need to know? Mm, what does yeah. a middle school or a young adult uh, or someone who's about to leave mom and dad's house to go to college, what do they need to know in their specific life? But we don't veer away from the f- three, a Bible doctrine in the Christian life. We yeah. stay there, but we contextualize it mm. in a way that's appropriate for them. For example, preteens, they're going through puberty <laughs> and yeah. figure out who they're like, I don't fit in my body here. What's going on? You know? So like, how do you, how do you teach, uh, the Bible doctrine and the Christian life to someone there and meet them where they're at whenever they're going through kind of an identity crisis, Yeah, <laughs> you know, as a 11, 12 year old. So those are the things that we're thinking through right now. Uh, that is so great to hear. And it's just so encouraging. I mean, cause you're again, highlighting the fact that discipleship is a lifelong process. Right of following Jesus and learning to be obedient. And so, you know, you have kids that maybe grew up in a Christian home. They come to know Christ at a young age and are baptized, and we we thank God for that, and we, we're just so thankful. But we we discipleship doesn't just mean, you know, handing them the Bible and saying, all right, kid, now read it. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is that, but it's <laughs> all, you know, it's teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded, and, and that that's that process that goes through childhood, adolescence, into young adulthood, you know, young families, middle age, empty nesters, right. you know, and then uh, the golden years, you know, mm-hmm. all of that is so important. We, we want to be lifelong followers of Jesus. Amen. Well, Jimmy, I tell you what, we're going to wrap this up here because I, I think uh, I want to I save a little bit more for next week because Mike and I are going to be talking, Lord willing, about the culture of discipleship within our church here, specifically at Faith. And I think it's going to look very similar to what you just mentioned there at um, at Risen Hope, and you talked about kind of your approach to that. 
but we want to put some legs on that as to what that looks like practically here. The cool thing is both of our churches share the same five loves. Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we talk here about, uh, if you read the little green book that we give to everybody, The Gospel by Ray Ortland, you know, in that book he says, uh, gospel doctrine plus gospel culture equals power. We want a, a gospel doctrine, we want a gospel culture, and really our five loves are, are kind of the pillars of our gospel culture here. Yeah. So we're going to be talking next week about a culture of discipleship and what that looks like, just to give you a little teaser. I love it. <clears throat> but I tell you what I like to do um, for our last little bit here, and and, and I'm actually going to save any questions. Uh, we ha- we did have some listener questions come in. We're going to save those for next week. Um, but I'd like to close here with you maybe sharing uh, a couple of people that, that discipled you and what impact that's had in your life and faith. Um, I have a couple in mind too, but I would love to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I am thankful for God for these men uh, who really uh, poured into my life. Uh, one is, his name is John Langford. I had the opportunity to live with him and his family. Uh, he was the one who invited me to the church in Florida. Mm. Um, and during that time uh, in my 20s, I was figuring out my life and uh, getting to see him uh, model fatherhood and being a faithful husband was so instrumental uh, in my life. And so that was amazing. Um, so he was a very pivotal um, part of my journey. Rick Bonner is another name that mm. comes to mind as well. He was my uh, former boss. Uh, love him to death. But he really taught me to have a tender heart for people. Um, and as someone who's kind of a, a theological nerd in, in the yeah. books, uh, that was something that was missing in my life, really a love for people. And he really instilled that in me in leadership as well. Um, and Jason Whitrip, you know, in my short time being here, he's really taught me a lot about pastoral ministry, getting to see him from Monday to Monday to Thursday and on Sunday and everything like that. Getting behind the scenes look at what pastoral ministry looks like has been a great opportunity for me to be his associate and assisting him in that. So those are three men that come to mind in regards to who have really helped shape me. Um, indirectly, uh, one of my seminary professors, um, you know, we didn't have a, like a really personal relationship, but a guy named Michael Allen, mm. uh, some of my friends joke that he created my mind <laughs> in some ways. Um, he helped me to really think, uh, and to be a really, uh, faithful pastor theologian Man, as well. So very grateful for him and the way he modeled that for me. Uh, and some dead guys. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, a guy named Augustine. Osmoto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so very grateful for him. Uh, a little bit of a kind of a weirdo for our kind of um, evangelical sensibilities, but he's someone that I have learned a great deal from about God uh, and about who we are called to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good. Yeah. Uh, three guys that come to mind for me. Uh, one was a, an older gentleman by the name of Wes Everett. He's with the Lord now. Mm. But I was in my early 20s. Uh, he was in his late 70s and uh, came alongside me at church, took me under his wing, um, and uh, I really just down to earth, salt of the earth kind of guy. Old, you know, thick country accent, all that, and Yazoo City, Mississippi, where we lived at the time. Uh, but, you know, we'd go spend time with him. We'd read the Bible together. We'd pray. He'd say, let's go to the old folks' home and visit some of these people and tell them about Jesus and just go along with him. And, uh, you know, a huge influence in my life. Um, another is Stephen Knott, uh, Steve Knott, uh, just a dear brother. He had kind of that older fatherly-like figure, you know, figure in my, in my young married life, uh, just starting to have kids, watched him as he, uh, you know, was raising his teenage boys and 
um, and just you know saw in him uh, what that meant to be a father and a and a and a just a wise leader of his family and a godly man who loved God's word. Spent many hours with him. He was a pilot and flew privately. And it, there were times whenever he would say, "Hey, I've got to take the plane over to so and so for maintenance. You want to just ride with me for the day?" So I'd get to sit there in the co-pilot seat. Wouldn't touch the controls or anything. Sure. So don't worry. But uh, you know, we have the headset on. We'd fly for two hours drop the plane off and and sit there in the pilot's lounge or go go grab a meal together and ride back with him. It was just some rich, rich time. And then you mentioned, you know, someone discipling you indirectly. And I think that's important too, because we have those influences in our life that it may not be the sit down and have coffee one-on-one conversation, but we're watching them yeah. and we're seeing them walk, go, we're seeing them live the Christian life. And, and another huge influence for me was, was, one of my pastors early on, Ligon Duncan, mm. um, and uh, just the steady, faithful preaching of the word. I was discipled by the way he prayed for his congregation, the way, the care with which he would would speak the scriptures when he would read the scriptures before his sermon, or or even just read another passage, a call to worship. And then just, I mean, there was some direct interaction with him, but, you know, just observing him. Yeah. Live his ministry and and be obedient to Christ in that. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, Jimmy, this has been, I mean, just a great, great conversation that we've had here today, and I'm very thankful for it. And um, appreciate you coming on the program, man. Man, I'm glad you asked, man. Yeah. It's a fun conversation. I love talking discipleship. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't look over there and see the the light shining off your forehead like I do, you know, <laughs> Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, if you're listening, I have the same problem. So, <laughs> am I also the uh, First person with hair on his head. I, Dana has a little bit. Dana yeah. has a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little bit in there. We're, we'll have to change. Let's we'll shake it up a little bit. Here, <laughs> stuff like that. That's great. Thanks for having me, friend. Yeah, we've, you've been listening to the Sound and Faith podcast from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, it's been good having you on the program today, Jimmy. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. I am uh, Pastor Jimmy Huang. Yes, and Lord willing, we will see you Sunday. <laughs>